You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 100, covering Night Terrors and Identity Crisis, with Mark Bosco. Hi friends, welcome to the 100th episode of the Post-Atomic Horror. Hooray! Hooray! Our pal Bob is here, and um... Well, we, we weren't going to do anything in particular for episode 100, but he's actually prepared a little something to celebrate the occasion. So, uh, Bob, what do you got? Well, uh, this would have been uh, slightly more appropriate for uh, the last episode, but I wasn't here, so... Uh, oh, here we go. All right. I, I, will, uh, I will let you listen now. <laughs> You'll let me listen. Polija! Solujija! Salui mevayam hotnohut! Call Duck, Ghost Judge, Just CB, Toba, So Lut Jija, Sawi Mayavam, Hood Mahood, Bat Lekha, Evoma. I think I'm out of sync. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. I think we get the idea. So, uh. Oh, sorry. I'll stop that. <laughs> so that was 99 Left Balloons <laughs> in Klingon. <laughs> I can't think of a better way to celebrate the occasion. <laughs> and you, you, you painstakingly translated that by hand, correct? You didn't just yes. plug it into a to an online like Klingon translator. No, apparently there is no uh, simple online Klingon translator. So I actually spent several hours trying to. <laughs> wow, that was awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I feel like the entire three-minute and change song might be a little too much to open the show with. But if you've put all that effort in, we should definitely like show that off so yeah. it might take you you know a little extra time to to get that together but at some point we should link people to your full efforts so they can truly appreciate what you've done absolutely and i'll, and I'll uh, put a, a karaoke uh klingon version up on youtube for you later excellent awesome. yeah let us know and we will let the people know and, and <laughs> link them therein excellent there too thereof thus well, con- congratulations on 100 episodes thanks we okay. only got about uh, 300 more to go <laughs> yeah <laughs> That's the thing Matt and I briefly discussed. Should we do something? No. Just keep our heads down. Keep doing it. Yeah. Sarcastic Voyage is the place for uh, for arbitrary celebrations. I'm, I'm running out of ideas out of for ideas celebration, celebration episodes. episodes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, everyone knows we're not going to cancel and restart post-atomic horror. We like this one. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. So uh, that said, we don't really have much of a reason to celebrate as the episodes we got this week are maybe not among Next Gen's most... Classic, well-remembered episodes. They were pretty shitty. Well, I was going to let the listeners decide, but I guess they pretty much take our word for it. So, uh, Bob, why don't you talk to the people about night terrors? Night terrors. All right. Near a binary star system. Oh, shit. I just dropped my... (laughs) Crap, what was that? It wasn't that bad, Bob. (laughs) Let me me begin again. No, it was. Near a binary star system, the Enterprise has stumbled onto the USS Britain, which has been missing for 29 days. Troy gloms herself onto the away team to find the bridge crew of the Britain a murder. I mean, murdered. Dun, dun, dun. Turns out it's not just the bridge crew, but everyone in the Britain was a murder victim. They've just gone nuts on each other. Troy tries to talk to the one survivor they found, another betazoid who keeps going on and on about eyes or moons or circles or something bright or tangoing in the night or some nonsense. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jordy and his gang try to start the Britain's engines. They're in perfect working order, but they're not going anywhere. Dun dun dun. Also, meanwhile, Troy finds her off in a CGI clownscape where she starts screaming, where are you? For no reason that I can tell. And then she wakes up in her flimsy negligee and breathes heavily for a few moments. Uh, where was I? All right. Um, four <laughs> days later, and O'Brien is finally standing up to his horrible wife. Beverly is being helpful. Troy may be able to figure something out. Snakes at Riker's bed. Work <laughs> has some honor. A ghost rings Picard's doorbell and leaves a flaming bag of poo. And then the engines stop, and they can't get away from this deadly danger. Dun, dun, dun. Turns out they're stuck in some sort of hole in the universe, and they don't have the energy to plunder themselves out. That, and they're all slowly going insane from lack of dreaming. Except for Troy, who keeps having nightmares about floating and shouting. Eventually, Data takes command, since he's the only one not going bonkers. And Troy saves the day by lucid dreaming and reenacting the Hindenburg disaster. Oh, the humanity. Ugh. 
So, Bob, tell me this. Did you say clownscape? Uh, I might have. <laughs> I meant did, uh, did you mean to say clownscape? Let me put it that way. Because we all certainly stumble over these prepared yeah. speeches. I'm not making fun of your, your reading ability. I just, I heard clownscape. Welcome, Troy, to the clownscape. <laughs> Where are you? That might have been a more interesting episode. And then she's sprayed with a seltzer bottle. <laughs> so it's so big. Where are your floppy shoes? It would also explain the flaming bag of dog poo. That's true. <laughs> that was maybe the least terrifying thing in an episode where scary things were supposed to happen. Somebody yep. kept ringing Picard's doorbell. <laughs> Listen, apparently someone doesn't know this. You do not ding-dang-dash Picard. Wait, is that what that's called? It was one of the things we called it. Oh. Huh. Wait, you did this? I didn't do it, but I knew kids who did do it. Because that's one of the lamer pranks, I would say. There's Ding Dong Dash. I think someone called it Nikki Nikki Nine Doors. Ugh. What? Yeah. yeah. You're losing me there. Of course, well, this, is just, uh, this is what I'm telling you from when I was a kid, okay? Yeah, of course, you're you're a little younger than Bob and I. We, we, were, we still were kids in the era where you could just make prank calls. You didn't have to leave your house to harass people. <laughs> that's but, right we could say do you have prince albert in a can and they'd say what they haven't made that for like 90 years you might as well give me a can of peanut brittle and then you'd laugh and hang up the phone right <laughs> and they couldn't well, you better uh, catch him then <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh yeah this is going to happen a lot folks we're going to not talk about the episodes because there's much more interesting things to discuss yeah like clumps of dirt and pieces of string <laughs> Plus, Bob's an old friend. We like to hang out and yes. much rather just enjoy his company than remember what we just saw. Oh, yeah. So kind. But that said, Bob, uh, did you did you manage to find a good thing? Uh, well, I try to get something to do. I mean, yeah. not yeah. a lot, and it's kind of goofy, but she does kind of save the day with Data's help. So, yeah, she also... Uh... If nothing else, she totally saves Worf's life in this episode. Yeah, she oh, does. Yeah. She actually properly counsels by sensing that someone has suicidal tendencies and rushing to their aid and stopping yep. them. Like, that is full-on being a good counselor. Yep. I totally forgot that was her job. It's a shame <laughs> we it took 90 episodes to get there, but... Yeah, uh, well, hopefully they won't, you know, hopefully it won't take another 90 to get there again, because there's only 178 episodes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and your bad thing? Um... Pretty much the "Where are you?" sequence. Where yeah. are you? The, the dreams that are supposed to be scary, but are just confusing and screechy, and uh, I don't know. It just it didn't it didn't make me frightened in any sense, and it didn't seem that she was really getting anything done in there, even when she was supposed to be telling them that, like, go now. She didn't really you, do anything. It just kind of happened. Well, and like you, you said, probably do that thing now. <laughs> Or not, whatever. That's fine too. No, I have to tell you. The um, the the thing you pointed out in your summary was we really have no idea why she's yelling that. We're just suddenly there, and she's doing it, and we're like, okay, well, did we miss a bit? What's mm -hmm. who? Where is who? What's it's just her dream. Yeah, it's, it's just a, a nonsense dream, and yeah. Uh, also, I, the, she flies around like Puma Man. <laughs> <laughs> she and her very obvious stunt double man. Yep, fly around. <laughs> the the thing is, I don't think most TV shows, and I I don't just mention Star Trek in this. I don't think most TV shows really get the whole dream thing. I think nope. the mm. TV idea of dreams and what dreams are actually like are very different. I think there are a couple of TV shows that I've seen, and I'm sure there are others that do it well. Twin Peaks had a nice sort of surreal dream like. Yep, Adventure Time. <laughs> Adventure Time, I suppose, counts in a way. In that the whole entire show is like a fever dream. No, there's one episode that's played like it's an actual dream, and it they don't do it really well. People switch clothes and just sort of vanish. And right. The, and where most cartoons would explain that as animation mistakes. Yeah. They actually did it on purpose. No, and I was going to say The Sopranos, where you yeah. get really interesting peeks into, into Tony Soprano's mind, and it was never like the plot needs to move forward and he needs to realize something, so here's the answer. It was always yeah. very surreal and symbolic and... Very cool. But most TV shows just do it like this, where it's like... The big floating, sp like, cloud space. Yeah, and... and but I, I mean, well, maybe maybe some people have dreams like this. I don't know. I mean, there's like, you know, people talk about you always have that dream where you're, like, naked in school or a dream that yeah. you're falling. And I've never had either of those. So really? I assume people have different kinds of dreams. Oh, and sure. Maybe somebody has a dream mm. like that one, but I, it's not familiar to me. No. That, yeah, and like I say, a lot of, I mean, 
most people's dreams are not linear. They're weirdly symbolic and strange things happen. And that's why people like to analyze their dreams. And most dreams on TV like this are either obvious plot devices to move things forward or very flimsy. Like there was a stupid um, riddle or something. It was like yeah. two, two moons or whatever the hell. No, it was one moon because it ended up being the hydrogen two, atom. Two eyes... One moon, One moon, two sir. souls stranded in a barren wasteland. Yeah, it's, it sounds like a poem that I wrote in 10th grade when my first girlfriend broke up with me. Mm. Just not good. Um, so for me, my good thing is, well, even in the worst episodes, and this actually isn't the worst episode. I mean, not, it's not a good episode. No, but when we get to the end and I say, here's the top 10, here's the bottom 10, it, it would not be in the bottom 10. Mm. Be in the bottom 50, maybe. But, yeah. You know. Yeah. But even in the worst episodes, the acting, particularly Spiner and Stewart, makes things a little more bearable. And this episode is no exception. Picard's gradual loss of control and Data's deadpan reactions to everyone's madness are delightful. There's a there's a bit like the whole last act is them, you know, tying everything together. And Picard's alone on the bridge with Data and he's trying so hard to keep it together and he's just losing it. And it's that whole sort of Kirk, someone make the decision. Yeah kind of power well you see a powerful man losing his power and he just doesn't know what to do and mm-hmm. and data's reactions to everyone is like they're people are trailing off and not finishing their sentences and he we we have to stop the anomaly sir yes thank you i i, I was surprised they never had anyone snap at him yeah no it was it was like i really like that and both of them yeah. carry the acting and a few other people too like frakes mm-hmm. pulled his off pretty well and and uh dorn had a really good like we mentioned the the attempted suicide scene yeah, now that was a great little bit bit of business for Worf. And what was that in his quarters? He had like a table set up with a suicide knife. Like, does he always have that set up? Just <laughs> I completely buy that he always has a suicide knife. It's the Klingon equivalent of an emergency eyewash station. Yes. <laughs> Incidentally, he also had eyewash because he uses it to wash the knife before he stabs himself. Well, there's the, yeah, and that's the thing. It's not just an emergency dagger, which could be there for anything. Mm-hmm. It's the whole ritual of of either polishing it or oiling it or whatever it is with that that fluid he pours on it. But I do like that he does it really quickly. Yeah, but you get the yeah. you get the impression that this is a Klingon suicide ritual that he is observing yeah. properly. So yeah, as Bob says, it's all there, set up, ready to go. Yeah, it's not just yeah. the knife. No, I like I, I like the uh, when they they're doing some sort of experiment to see if they can fix everything, mm-hmm. and they don't. And Worf just sort of sees it and just like, well, that's it for me. Yeah, I can't <laughs> deal with this anymore. I'm done. I'm out of here. Yeah. Well, and oh, he no. said that it was like it was for the first time he was actually afraid. Yeah. Yeah. Which is an interesting thing that it's like he's never ever afraid. You would think that like I don't know when you think of human courage, it's you are afraid, but you push past it, right? Well, yeah, fear is a survival instinct, and then you right. you either reason through it or you know. So do Klingons not have that, or or they? I think it's something they probably suppress quite a bit. It it could be that, or it could just be they're oversimplifying. Well, mm. sometimes he's a little afraid, but then he talks himself out of it or whatever. But, but this, this is, was like true despair. Right. Yeah. And it could be the first like, time I don't buy for felt. a second that Worf has never been afraid of anything. Sure. <laughs> as many times as he's already gotten his ass kicked for the inevitable YouTube compilation of him always getting his ass kicked. Mm-hmm. He must have been scared <laughs> by a few of those things. Yeah. At this point, he'd be afraid to get out of bed. Yeah. People are going to tell me no and knock me over. I don't want to do it. Maybe, you know, maybe after the first few years of that is when he set up the suicide station. Yeah. <laughs> At some point, this is all going to be too much. I'm ready for it. Just nice <laughs> to know I have an out. Yeah. Uh, my bad thing was uh, there's a lot of standard, like, I, I, had, I have a list that I've mentioned a lot of things that I don't like in Star Trek. Mm. And a lot of them are here. The dream, dreams in general, not what I was talking about before about TV shows doing dreams, but just dreams and Star Trek. It's just it's pseudoscience. It doesn't really work for me. And I know we've established that there's telepathy, but it's still just very sort of muddled for me. Mm. And Matt, I know you're a big horror fan, but I can't remember a next gen episode that attempted horror and succeeded at it. It definitely wasn't this one. No, and there may be there may be some. I'm probably mm. forgetting. There must have been out of 178. They must have done it successfully. Once or twice. Yeah, no, the original series was the one that did that. But I, you know, for every one of those, there's probably a dozen or more that tried and failed completely. Mm-hmm. It just it the show does not do scary well. Um. Oh, and this has been a bad thing several times, so I don't think it counts. Does Starfleet have no quarantine procedures at all? Nope, not even a little bit. We wander on a ship full of dead people. We don't know what killed them, 
and we're just wandering around poking the corpses, rubbing our eyes. Well, they had those funky little suits in the original series, right? Yeah. Just, uh, I think we've used them in Next Gen as well, where they have, like, you know, contamination suits. Did we? Uh, I don't Didn't they use those in the Naked Now originally? Or what? In the in the one where the, um, uh, what's her head, the replacement doctor? Pulaski? <laughs> Pulaski. Yeah. <laughs> when, when she gets the aging disease. Right. Didn't they use them in that episode? I thought so. Yeah, because our cover art was that ridiculous-looking Rip Taylor guy wearing his suit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, I think um, I, I, this is just me reading into it. I don't think it was deliberate by the writers. I think Pulaski was a lot more careful about that stuff, and Crusher just doesn't care. Yeah, just whatever. Because <laughs> She's just very good at her job. Yeah, it seems like Pulaski was way more concerned with... with stuff like quarantine and crusher's just like eating her lunch over you know patients being operated on these guys get sick i'll have something to do (laughs) dropping crumbs in their open chest cavities i mean you know not cool oh it's fine we got tons of antibiotics in the future yeah yeah i'll get wesley's little nanobots to clean it up it's fine it'll be (laughs) fine you guys worry too much (laughs) uh matt what about you good thing uh, there's a shot when uh, Crusher is working in, uh, like, she's working on all the corpses that ca- that they brought over from the Britain. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you've got this nice this nice shot of, like, a car. I guess it's a cargo bay or something where they've got tables set up and all the corpses have. Uh, Actually, sh- I, I kind of think they must have a morgue. I mean, I buy them having a morgue. I don't buy that being the morgue. Okay. Like, for one thing, I don't imagine it's that big. Yeah, that maybe I don't know because they sometimes deal with like colonies that are wiped out and stuff like mm. that. Like, I don't mm. know. It doesn't really matter, but I just I, I assume mean, if it was you have colonies that are wiped out, you would do what they did here, which is convert a cargo bay. Yeah, but good point. um, I can't imagine they have like a huge morgue. Well, I can't imagine Gene signing off on that on the drawing of the ship. No, there wouldn't yeah. be a morgue. There's no I dead people in the future. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so for all those red shirts I kill off every week, right? No, but anyway, uh, there's this there's this nice. A bit of business where it's like the only almost scary thing in the show, mm-hmm. almost, uh, where she starts hearing noises and getting kind of nervous, and then there's a close up of her. It pulls out, and all of the corpses are sitting up. Mm-hmm. It's a really simple, uh, like you know, horror. It's a simple actor's trick. No, it is. But it looks cool. It is very effective. You're right. And uh, I mean, there's there's a couple of scenes like that. The the one where Picard's in the turbo lift, and I don't know, he feels like the ceiling's closing on him or something like that. Oh, I just thought he was getting bigger. That could be as well. <laughs> he ate the thing that said "eat me" instead of drinking the thing that said "drink me." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, but you know, because of Patrick Stewart's acting, he's freaking out and screaming, and then the, <laughs> the door opens and everyone on the bridge is just kind of looking at him. And Worf <laughs> does this weird little double take. He's like, "Oh crap! I should probably help with this." <laughs> Somebody's screaming. Oh Jesus! It's him. <laughs> oh, crap, crap, crap. I'm in so much trouble. <laughs> Maybe that's why he tried to kill himself. <laughs> now, there, like I say, a couple of scenes where there were decent actors in them actually seemed scary as well, but overall, not so much. On the other hand, the uh, acting from the captain of the Britain is fucking awful. <laughs> oh, someone was after me and I had to do something to save myself, so I had him killed. Oh, <laughs> Captain what? Olive Oil was not very great. <laughs> Pull out some of my hair. <laughs> uh, and your bad thing? Uh, Troy flying through the shitty magic cloud. <laughs> I didn't think the actual flying effect was that bad. You guys apparently disagree with that. Oh, my God. I thought it looked so terrible. Several people behind the scenes also disagree. So, uh, all right. I concede. Oh, that's right. Uh, Frakes has such a great line about <laughs> Oh, yeah. Let me just pull it up. Yeah, Frank's uh, speaking frankly and not going with the company line of we never say anything bad about Star Trek. Yeah, Jonathan like, Frankly. Yes. <laughs> that was terrible. Yeah, it was. 100 episodes in and you're still making terrible puns. Yeah. You're making more than ever, actually. All right, he needs some uh, nicknames in real life, too. Oh, right. Yeah, the nicknames. We haven't right, found sure. a good season four nickname yet. No, we're still working on that. Yeah. That was a yawner, wasn't it? That was a shitty piece of special effects work when Troy was flying through those clouds around her. That was below our standards. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. I, and again, I think back in the day, and I don't know if this was Gene or just the overall Paramount sort of company line, where uh, when you went to cons when the show was still on, they never had anything bad to say. Nope. Yeah. It was that very sanitized sort of almost Disney, like everything's great and every, you know everything turned out well and there are no bad episodes. And... Well, I think at that point they were still hoping to get more work. That could be. But, but I, I like, mean, if nothing else, Frakes is doing fine for himself. Like, he's still a director. Is he? I yep. think so, yeah. 
Yeah, he's been doing episodes of uh, Burn Notice and Castle. Oh, lately. good for yeah. him. No, I I was not aware. I knew I knew the actual franchise kept several of the actors in work. Like in in the Voyager, I know at least mm-hmm. like Devar Burton directed some, and I think some of the other guys did too, and maybe into Enterprise. Like they they tried to take care of their own, mm-hmm. which I always thought was cool. But I didn't realize he was still working elsewhere. That's that's good to know because he was. He's one, actually good. Yeah, he's he was one of the better actor directors, and yeah. it was no surprise that they picked him for a couple of the movies. So that was cool. Yeah, no, as far as I know, he's still he's still working primarily as a director. That's good. Okay, so the same cannot be said for Marina Sirtis. I yeah, I, apart from the convention. Well, I imagine the convention oh, circuit. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been doing? <laughs> Where are you now? <laughs> yeah, I imagine the convention circuit keeps those guys fed, but that's probably about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, okay, so where to begin? Oh, don't we need to do? Hmm. Hmm. We need to do uh, Bob's quote. Don't no, we? we'll 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 wrap up with that. Uh, okay. <laughs> Still working on it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, like I say, where to where to start? Where yeah, do we this... even begin? I. I, I, Bob pointed out to me, I, I did my homework kind of late this week, and earlier this morning I was watching the episodes, and I had to watch <laughs> them again almost immediately. That was fun. <laughs> but I said, oh, go, oh boy, here we go with Night Terrors. And Bob speaks up on Twitter, and he's like, yeah, that's the better of these two. Yeah. <laughs> and you were right. <laughs> I was like, well, Bob and I don't always agree, maybe. No, totally right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just, here's the thing, and I say this over and over again, and I'm sure I'll say it more. What I want from Star Trek is, yeah, cool science fiction, but primarily character drama. Yeah. yeah. Apart from seeing familiar people reacting in, in different ways and freaking out, we didn't really get, like, no character really had anything meaty to do here. No. Yeah. It was like, it was just a bare serviceable mystery, but yeah. nothing nothing really interesting in the way of the yeah, usual character development that we see. And it could could have been a better Troy story, but... They set up in the beginning that she's she's having this dream, and then it goes away for two or three acts before we come back to that. And yeah. So, oh yeah, now we got to resolve this. By the way, I was having that dream from before. I had the pear dream again. It's um, it it's, it could have been a Troy episode, and it could have been a better Troy episode than it yeah. was. But it's just sort of everyone's going crazy, and then we fix it at the end. And those are the kind of episodes I don't like. Like if there's nothing, you know, if we have no vested interest in in what's going on, then why do we care? Yeah, exactly. We know they're not going to kill each other. No. So They're probably not going to kill anyone else, because that would have been a big deal. Right. Yeah. Um, so there's clearly, like, there's cl- clearly no danger here. The mystery isn't that interesting. Right, and all the, all the people from the other ship are dead already, except yeah. the one guy who gets no lines other than trembling and mumbling. <laughs> Fat Kyle McLaughlin. Yeah, Kyle McLaughlin's lesser successful younger brother, Jim McLaughlin. <laughs> so there's a scene between uh, Chief O'Brien and his horrible wife. Yes. Uh, that Bob briefly touched on in uh, in his summary, I believe. Right. Where she comes in complaining about her day, and he just freaks the fuck out on her. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I got to thinking when we talked about this, do we ever see them happily married early on? Like, we, don't, we never saw their courtship. We never really saw them... You know, apart from their wedding day, we've seen them bitching at each other. Interesting thing about the wedding day episode. Is well, even on the wedding. They're not even together until the end. Right. Right. And and it's, we it's mentioned that, Yeah. And we mentioned this at the time. <laughs> He's trying to defend her to his friends. Mm-hmm. And all he can say is, well, she's having a rough time. He's not like, no, oh, she's great. She's I, yeah. Like, I fell in love with her because she's this and this. And that. he never he never said nope. that. And we just wonder why... Why? <laughs> Why would you do this? Yeah. Chief, you can do better. He could definitely do better. I know for a fact you can do better. I'd marry him in a second. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, assuming, you know, that there's Listen, gay marriage Chief, in the... Al's a pretty good catch. Yeah. You know, I've, I've been married twice. I know what I'm doing, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> it's about time you tried to do it. Yeah, why not? Well, that was awkward. <laughs> <laughs> There was uh, one of the throwaway ensigns um, in this episode. It's an Asian dude who looked vaguely familiar to me. And I, I, ended, I realized that he was the uh, the Asian dude in Revenge of the Nerds. But when I was looking it up, I discovered he was one of the children in And the Children Shall Lead from the original series, which That's is very wow. cool. 
That's pretty cool. That's a yeah. neat. Story. He's still acting, and they they put him in a next gen episode. And he had like one line, but it was still nice to you know, nice that they okay. did that. Huh. So how how much how much you want to bet that they've done an, they've done a book where it turns out he's like the son of that kid or something? Yeah, probably. Peter David probably did that. That's his move. Yep. <laughs> so what else? Uh, what the hell else helped happen in this friggin' episode? What does I see in your notes? You have a quote that I don't recall from the episode, but it says, "You want to order a double down computer? Meet bread." <laughs> well, every time, every time Troy's talking to the semi-conscious uh, uh, Betazoid, he's always saying, "Double, double." Oh, and I kept, I kept in my head, I was making these running jokes. Yeah, I want, I want a double down sandwich, uh, the, the daily double, uh, you know, double mint gum, just you know, dumb jokes. But what's that? You want to watch Double Dare? Yes. <laughs> Physical challenge. And <laughs> the words that are coming out of your mouth. <laughs> so no, that's wait, all. that's something entirely different. That's Rush yes. Hour. I don't yes. even know. That's all right. Well, Rush Hour would have been a better movie than uh, the Night Terrors. Yes, there is. Uh, I like the scene where um, everyone's starting to freak out and ten forward, mm-hmm. and uh, Guinan calls for security and then goes behind the the bar. And pulls out a fucking giant laser gun. Yeah, and it's not a good prop. It looks ridiculous. <laughs> I think slim. it was made of like toilet paper rolls and gold paint. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a, it's like you're in prison and you make you make a laser gun out of whatever materials are on hand. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but somehow it can still shoot lasers. Yeah. <laughs> no, but it's like toilet paper rolls soaked in old wine. Right, but Matt, you're you're totally you were totally right to point out that of course Guinan is that kind of bartender. Yep. She's got a gun behind the bar because... On the fucking Enterprise. Yeah. Because she knows these things happen sometimes, and a good bartender is prepared for that. Mm -hmm. I I also expect her to have a baseball bat with a nail through it. Yep. Well, there could be times when all electronics have stopped working, and she's still got to, you know... Yeah. She's still got to take care of business. And as always, I mean, once again, I point this out every time, but once again, she had maybe 60 seconds of total screen time here, and she fucking nailed it. She's just... It was friggin' awesome. She's so great. She also didn't appear to be affected by the the whole uh, the whole sleep deprivation thing. Yeah, I, well, I have no proof that Guinan sleeps. So that's a good point. We've never seen it. Yeah, you can't you can't really lay your head down with that hat. No, it would be very difficult to to have your head make contact with a pillow. Well, yeah, I assume her head just like just like is the shape of that hat underneath. <laughs> like when Wolverine took his mask off for the first time. Yeah, exactly. Oh, his hair is like, huh? All right. That doesn't make sense, but all right. <laughs> I, I liked they did the deflector dish trick that they were doing in Best of Both Worlds, and yeah, yeah. it did shoot the beam out of the front. Yeah, yes, thank you, Matt. Or they shoot the beam out of the front. <laughs> well, as opposed to later in the episode where they shoot the beams out of the nacelles. Right, exactly. I, but I, I like first of all they do a callback. We tried this against the Borg. That was nice. I like whenever there's even the tiniest bit of continuity it's like yes we have done stuff before this episode right but i i also it didn't work again mm-hmm. they build this up to be this great trick that must do something and it keeps not working mm-hmm. they want to justify using that effect shot again <laughs> <laughs> uh what else mm. i'm pretty sure this was also the plot of a uh, first season episode it, well, it felt like the Naked Now in the beginning, because they went over to a ship where everyone had disastrously killed each other. Yeah, with no interest whatsoever in keeping what happened to them from happening to anyone else. Right. And then they're surprised when they go back to their ship, and uh, and yeah, things start happening to them. I, but the ultimate thing was uh, they, they weren't getting REM sleep. They weren't dreaming. Yeah. And to me, it just felt like one of those... I mean, they didn't say this, and I maybe read this into it, but it felt like <laughs> dreams are what makes us human. It's the human condition. Yeah, but in this like, case, Data was doing all right because he didn't dream. So fuck you, the crew. Yes, it's part of the human adventure. Yes, it's only just beginning. Please Still, the part of the human adventure where you're asleep. Right. <laughs> so, other Did things. Anything else happened? Oh, I found something funny about uh, uh, when Troy has when Troy Troy's in Warp's quarters trying to keep him from committing suicide, and she calls for security. Mm-hmm. I kept expecting Worf to show up at the door. <laughs> uh, but, but instead, but you pointed out it was this guy with really long arms. Oh, God. <laughs> Fucking instead, Ensign Slenderman comes in. 
long, really thin arms. His arms look like bendy straws. Yeah, and like they were going down. It, it was like they were going down past his knees. Yeah, it was really unsettling. Yeah. It's like the scariest thing in that episode is worrying that that guy's going to reach over and touch you. <laughs> and he could have taken the knife out of Worf's hand from the door. Yeah. Yeah, really unsettling. <laughs> that ends in fantastic, Matt. Yes. In my head, he's got the salad fingers. Yeah. yeah. You do like yeah. the salad fingers. Yeah. Uh, we get to boogity, see... Boogity. We get to see Riker in his gym jams. Yeah, I don't buy for a second Woo-hoo! that Riker sleeps in pajamas. No, and nor does he sleep in a single bed, as one of you pointed out. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, he's wearing way too much clothes and way not enough, uh, you know, lady, well, lady ready, you know, accessories. Right. Yeah, they had him in this really small bed. You would think Riker, he's now, he's got to have one of those big round beds that rotate. Or a heart-shaped bed. Vibrate. In my head, it's shaped like a Starfleet insignia. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Because he is still a company man above all else. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But then, you know, then the floor opens and there's the secret hot tub. Yep. Which the guy in in the quarters below him really does not appreciate. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, mirrors on the ceiling. Well, yes. But that just goes. And also, it. like he he brings up the hot tub and then he beams water into it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a sonic hot tub, Matt. Yeah. Oh well. Like sonic showers. Uh, sonic the Hedgehog. Yes, something like that. Sonic Burger. Um, <laughs> and then of course there were snakes in his bed. I feel like they're always there. Yeah, it's snakes. It's, <laughs> it's, like, so it's like, oh, snakes. Why is it always got to be snakes in my bed? <laughs> I just assume he sleeps on a bed of snakes. Yeah, it's like a water bed, only it's got snakes in it. <laughs> He's like, oh, I got a leak. <laughs> Damn it! Ah. <laughs> uh, I like the idea of Riker having to feed rats to his bed every night. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what was it? Because they have rats in space. Yes. Yeah. What, what what got us on that track? We started oh, talking about the rats on the Enterprise. One of the guys in 10 Forward said, we're trapped like rats. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then we talk, talked about how there are rats on starships. And- yes, and when the ship is sinking, they all they all escape in their tiny little rat uh, astronaut suits, little little glass helmets. Well, I assume they steal at least one of the shuttles, because God knows Worf isn't going to protect them. You know, I gotta say... And I, this must happen later, because Amanda and I definitely noticed on our last pass through the show, no one has stolen a shuttle yet. We keep referring it to being a cliche and, and Worf never being able to stop it. But to this point, in late season four, it hasn't happened yet. I guess that's true. So I'm, I'm just... It becomes so there must just be a ton of shuttle stealing in season six and seven. That, or I'm just remembering completely wrong. Mm. But I feel like I need to address when I'm, you know, when I'm pointing out cliches that don't exist. That's kind of unfair. Well, yeah, there's pictures of the, the, our, our listeners just being like, so the, he hasn't stolen a single shuttle yet. Yeah, what the hell are you guys talking about? You guys are, do you actually watch Star Trek? Yeah, well. well. There was that one kid that was the uh, Wesley's friend, right? Has that happened to Oh, him? yeah. The... In the, uh, in the Dauphin? The other kid that, uh, no, no, it's the same episode where Wesley takes the test for Star Trek. Oh, right, 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 and oh, the, kid, yeah, okay. the kid can't handle the pressure. Yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Right. So that's once. But still not, you know, it doesn't merit our, our constant scrutiny when it hasn't, you know, it hasn't happened yet. True. <laughs> like I said, there's plenty enough to complain about, especially this week. Mm-hmm. I just want to be clear that, you know, so far that hasn't happened that much. Uh, what else? Anything? Um, Anything at all? Mm-hmm. I think that's everything I got. All right. Yeah. Other than the fact that every time they said they said uh, REM or REM sleep, I had the need to to sing "Shiny Happy People." Well, yes, <laughs> and they were big at the time too, so I'm sure you know contemporary audiences were doing the same thing. All right, Bob, you got a quote for us? I do. Uh, it is uh, when they first discover the Bretagne, and uh, Picard asks uh, you know them the uh, bridge crew to give him some information about the ship. Mm-hmm. The ship is drifting, sir. Life form readings. Inconclusive. Counselor. There is life on board, but... What is it? I don't know. Something... <sighs> Get you. Useless. That was... So, uh, you sense anything? I think we all had notes about that too, so I'm really glad you you called that out because that is, I mean, 
I, we're talking about not doing our video summaries anymore just because they, they are a lot of work. But I, th- I feel like we could put together a whole supercut of her being useless. But that yeah. would really be the centerpiece of it. Just, uh, <laughs> something? Uh, something? I don't know. And then maybe she could break into charades. Okay, two yeah. syllables, first word. <laughs> some. Yes, something. Thank you. Thing. Not Nailed. helpful. Riker gets them immediately because he's been through the shit for years. Yeah. Yeah. Something. We got it, Deanna. <laughs> That's her idea of sex games, so <laughs> he just goes with it at this point. Yeah. And plus, charades is not that much fun when you're from a planet full of telepaths. Yeah. Uh same with like uh, Pictionary, just eh, not much fun. I think you could have stopped with charades. Is not just not that fun. Well, that's true. <laughs> Except when Picard calls it charades. <laughs> well, yes, right. then it's all dignified, right? <laughs> all right. Oh. But he can only play with his brother, and then it turns into a wrestling match <laughs> in the mud. <sighs> you know, while I didn't like this episode, I'm really hesitant to to push forward here. But uh... we we could talk about how people's hair got fluffy toward the end of the last episode. Yep. Yeah, there we go. Let's yeah, let's talk about the hair. Thank you, Bob. <laughs> oh, thank God. <laughs> That's and it, how the it? bed sheets are so shiny and sparkly. In the oh, they all sleep yeah. in that baked potato foil, and I haven't gotten it from day one. I thought, okay, maybe Tro- I think if we saw Troy first, okay, maybe she's just got terrible taste. But no, everyone's got it. Yeah, that's just standard issue for Starfleet. Yeah, that's like your your basic military grade, you know, stock sheets. You think you could replicate something better? Mm. Uh, computer, good sheets. Mm. <laughs> computer, give me wool <laughs> and a spinning wheel. <laughs> I'll show you. Or Replicate feel, me a sheep. I feel. Oh well, O'Brien's set then. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! Now I'm making the Irish jokes. Damn Miles, it! <laughs> what is that thing? It's a sheep, for God's sakes! One of it's the Irish mistress. One of the Irish people from the Irish planet left it behind. Yeah. Now it's breeding like tribbles. Along with 40 tons of hay. Right. All right. Uh, it's time to take my medicine. Yeah, so, Al, you want to tell us about Identity Crisis? No. Al, tell us about Identity Crisis. All right. Okay, let's just reach into the fishbowl and pull out my episode for this week. Hmm. Identity Crisis. That's a fairly generic title. Could be a good episode. Huh. Written by Brandon Braga. Well, maybe my memory of the later Trek series is fuzzy, and uh, he's not as bad as I remember him being. And Oh, God, I remember what this episode is. <laughs> I'd really like to get up and walk away right now, but I feel like that's a trick I can only use once, like the POW block in the original Mario Brothers game. And we have a lot of Braga yet ahead of us. All right. So a former crewmate of Geordi shows up to discuss the recent disappearances of several other people who were on the same away mission back when Geordi still wore a red shirt. Once they agree to return to the planet where it all began, she and Jordy get reacquainted, and I find myself yelling at Jordy in the TV not to make the moves on her. I really shouldn't have to do that, but after the whole awkward Leah Brahms thing... She does at least the very sensible approach of immediately putting Jordy firmly in the friend box by saying that he's like her little brother. Smart move. So they arrive at the planet, find a stolen shuttlecraft containing one of the aforementioned away Team 7. I think there were only five of them, but 7 sounds cooler. Then the bridge crew watch helplessly as the shuttle loses control and explodes in orbit. It's actually a pretty haunting scene, but let's not get too used to that. Visiting the surface of the planet, Geordi's former crewmate, whose name I really should look up but can't be bothered, sees a single set of footprints. Presumably this is where Jesus carried one of the missing guys. Okay, show of hands, uh, who didn't know I was going to make that joke? That's what I thought. Then the lady whose name I am willfully forgetting for no very good reason turns into a weird veiny flipper monster. Apparently her DNA is being changed, which makes total sense and is a thing that happens all the time in Star Trek. Well, in Voyager anyway, probably. So Jordy, knowing that he's inevitably heading into turning into a were-whatever, begins solving the mystery of what happened last time. You know, by watching a video and getting the computer to enhance Quadrant 5A. Jordy, you dummy, there are only four quadrants. That's what quad means. (laughs) Then he isolates a piece of the audio playback and discovers the sound of a foghorn. The missing crewmen are down by the docks! Well, that doesn't happen, but it wouldn't be any stupider than the thing that does happen. Jordy continues his investigation on the holodeck, turns into a monster which is somehow undetectable by the computer, and develops predator invisibility powers. Then he beams down to the surface to, I don't know, fuck the other vain monsters, or maybe eat them or something. Data works out that the transformed Starfleet guys apparently live in a blacklight poster now, so he takes several hours to build an ultraviolet flashlight, which seems kind of silly since we have that technology here and now. Then they locate Jordy, who is fully transformed into the worst-looking monster thing this side of Armus, 
And the guest, the lady guest star of the week, whose DNA has somehow made a complete recovery, manages to talk him into coming back to the Enterprise to have his DNA inexplicably changed back. Then everything's fine for some reason, and I realize I backspaced over the phrase for some reason like seven times during this summary. Really, though, maybe I'm being too hard on this episode. I mean, pseudoscience is still a type of science, right? Right? Oh, and I know you could use the POW block three times in the original Mario Brothers game. Shut up, nerds. I don't come to the hundredth episode of your podcast and nitpick your jokes. <laughs> hey, hey, guys. Yeah. Am I really that bad looking? Uh, almost come as on. bad looking as these guys, but not quite. Come on, everybody. I'm not so terrible. Yeah, well, comparatively, Goodness. maybe not. Give me a hug. <laughs> okay, that's where I draw the line. Oh, man. Bad touch, Armis. <laughs> I, I feel like... You guys mentioned this, and, and I agree. The actual effects... On the on the creatures, the cool sort of uh, black lady vein things and the mm. the weird cat eyes they give them, those were cool. Yeah, yeah. but the the design of them themselves just the they've got a weird sort of mime thing going on that looks really weird. Yeah, and, and they're kind of lumpy and yeah, they're they're not great. It's like it's like they almost had a cool thing, but then they didn't. Yeah, that's that pretty much sums up this episode. Yep. Uh, so my good thing, well, okay, there's a cold open where we're just thrown into the recording of the original Way Mission and then right into the action. And I got to say, it's actually really good storytelling. We don't waste any time for, like, usually it would be Jordy standing around waiting for his old, you know, uh, uh, fellow crew person to show up. And he's expositioning to someone about, you know, well, we were on this ship together and we did this. But uh, instead, you know, for all my problems with Braga, which we'll be discussing at length in many episodes to come, the show episodes. the show could actually use some clever tricks like that for the obligatory information dumps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was nice. Yeah, and we got all the information we needed. Okay, Jordy's in a red shirt. That means yeah, it's you before. instantly know that it's the past. Yeah, and we see him with guys who aren't on the Enterprise, so we know he's on a different ship. Yep. And something it also helps that it says the name of the ship at the bottom. Well, that's true. And if you're a big nerd like me, you can read that the star date is before the series began. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I don't expect anyone to do that but me because it's awful. Huh. But no, it was it was very cool. So it when was, did the series begin? Uh, it would be star date four one something because it's always four, and then the next digit is the season. Huh. So like we're in four four something 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 now. Interesting. Yeah, that's all. It's just a production trick, really. It doesn't mean anything as far as the passage of time goes. A simple production <laughs> trick. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I love you, Coco. <laughs> and then she grabbed my balls. <laughs> so that's how we're celebrating episode 100. We're doing all the callbacks to, uh, to our <laughs> previous episode. different from any other episode of the show? Well, we're, we're pulling them all out. Oh, well. So, uh, George Takei, if you'd like to tell us exactly how you're tripping, now would be the time. Uh, yes, I would, Al. <laughs> Is it balls? Uh, Are you tripping balls? Is that it? I missed you both. <laughs> well, thank you, Mr. Thank you. And yes, I'm tripping balls. Ah, there it is. Excellent. Good to know. All right. uh, I, I stopped short of, of summoning Chekhov, though, because sorry, no. <laughs> as long as we're like shooting him over and over. Then. <laughs> yeah, we could shoot him. That's good. No, Matt. Uh, Matt already had to play Chekhov in a, in a recent sarcastic voyage sketch. I think that's enough Chekhov for a while. Uh, my bad thing. Well, this just doesn't make a goddamn lick of sense. So these aliens infect humans, whom we can only assume they've never met prior to this away team visiting the planet. Slowly turn them into themselves, and then use the human monsters to breed. How did they breed prior to this point? How can you change someone's DNA and then change it back as easily as dyeing your hair? And speaking of hair, how does their hair come back? My hair grows, sir. <laughs> when stuff like this happens, it should be permanent. I can actually live with people turning into things, I guess. It's when they turn back. When they have full memories of who they were like nothing ever happened, it makes no sense. Jordy could barely remember who he was. That means his brain changed. Then it just changed back and he's Jordy again. I, I don't understand. I don't need to understand the actual science of it. I, I really don't care. But it needs to be grounded in logic. It needs to make sense. Hmm. And it just doesn't. Nope. And and Bob, you are more versed in science. Like you, <laughs> you have a better attention span than I do. So you can actually read <laughs> things about science. And sometimes when I speak up and say this sounds dumb, like in the last episode, I said brainwaves aren't a thing, and you said, yeah, they are. Shut up. This is why that works. <laughs> so, I mean, believe if you know anything, or really if anyone out there knows anything uh, about DNA, you know, if I'm wrong, if this does make uh, sense, please, I, please tell me. 
I don't think so. I don't think. I mean, you can make DNA changes that you know. That's that's how things evolve over time. Sure. Little tiny changes in your DNA. Yeah, but, but not I, a single person. It happens over generations. Yeah, where tiny it's not going to rewrite happen. you over the course of a few you know hours or even days. Right. Just, um, I'm just going to look at your hand and like, so. oh, suddenly I only have three fingers. Yeah, Jordy's hand changed in literally seconds because yeah. he was doing stuff in the holodeck, moving his hands around, and then the next shot, they were flippers. You know, he goes right. to scratch his back or something, and he looks back, yeah. and it's like, oh, shit, when did that happen? Yeah. Right. I don't know about you guys. I would notice if three of my fingers were growing into each other. Yeah, I might feel that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, maybe... I, I think I've heard bits of it where it's like, it is possible to change a living organism. Yeah, I think we're tinkering with, with, with DNA that now. changes, but it's like over a long period of time that it has to happen because it's like, it's like you know, replacing every cell in your body takes what seven years, something like that. Something like that. So yeah. So over that over that sort of course of time, maybe you could change something about. You could change a, a few cells, and then they would gradually copy themselves, right? Yeah, but, but if, uh, otherwise, yeah. you'd have to change every bit of DNA in your entire body. Nothing crazy like this, and certainly once, you know, once they've turned into these other creatures that are like kind of these primal, feral things that mm-hmm. don't understand human speech, and they then uh, uh, Crusher, you know, magically changes them back, and they've regained all of their memories. That makes zero sense to me at all. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, and Jordy was to the point. He even says he's to the point where he does, like you said, doesn't understand human speech anymore. He only comes back because what's her name, sort of connected to him on a on a base level. But he was right. almost completely gone to the point where he didn't, you know, he wouldn't have even responded to that. Yeah. That, right. to me, you means were... his basic cognitive functions had reverted to more primal things and not, you know. Right. If they've rewritten the cells in his brain, right. even if they were able to make him human again, that's, it's, it would seem logically, even with that crazy constraint. <laughs> that he's Jordy like, with a blank like, mind. Yeah, yeah, which, would, I mean, you know, not, as we've seen in Star Trek, really not that big a deal. <laughs> well, yeah, when Uhura <laughs> had her brain wiped by um, uh, Nomad. Nomad. <laughs> we'll just restore him from backup. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. And I honestly was expecting them to do that because they've pulled that trick out of their ass before where the transporter has his most recent pattern. You know, that's like a save game. Yeah. Yeah. It's a save point every time you, you use the transporter. So there's a version of you, you know, from that point that you could just revert to. Yeah. And he wouldn't remember the last 20 minutes or whatever. (laughs) But also that feels like something that, you know, if they used it every week, it would just be a cheap shot. But at least it would kind of make sense. Yeah. But if it does work, then why don't they use it every week? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good point, Bob. It's a very good point. Use it to bring people back to life, too. That's (laughs) also true. We'll just beam up a version of them that's alive. Well, that's basically what happened with Thomas Riker. Yep. Split him in half. Yep. Well, no, that's a that's a whole other thing. <laughs> then you'd have like you know, evil wharf and good wharf or whatever. All right, and, and evil wharf would go drink in a bar while good wharf flies around saving people. <laughs> <laughs> he'd, be, he'd be flicking peanuts at the uh, at the mirror in uh, in ten forward, and then they'd fight each other in a junkyard. <laughs> You know who loves this run of jokes? Irish Gav. He's going to be falling out of whatever chair he's sitting in right now. All right. A warning at the beginning, telling him to get as many chairs as he can. Yeah. All right, oh, Bob. What was what was your good thing? Um. Oh, <laughs> I love the 3D recreation of the away team footage on uh, on the holodeck. Mm-hmm. Uh, to taking that flat video and extrapolating it into a 3D scene that you can walk around and explore is uh, that's really cool. That's kind of exactly the kind of future technology that I love. Yeah, and I love it when this show takes technology that they've already established that exists in that world and extrapolates what it's capable of. That's a neat. Yeah. That's a neat thing that they do. And it even seems now like something that we could do in the next couple of years. I mean, minus the holodeck, we have a lot of the technology to extrapolate this stuff into 3D. That right. exists now. Map it inside a computer. You might not be able to recreate yeah. it physically, but right. Right, right, no, right. I mean, we're getting there. Yeah, and it... it That's just really cool. It's like, it feels yeah. like a connection to technology that we have now. Uh, but did they have it in 1991, or were they just sort of guessing? No, no. But, like, you know, 25 years later now, right. then we do. Oh, this is an interesting thing I wanted to mention real quickly, and this would be as good a place as any. Apparently, dilithium crystals exist now. What? And they may use them oh, to really? power, power starships. Okay, they have created or hypothetically created this thing. It is a crystalline thing 
that contains several elements, including lithium. Technically, by rules of naming things in science, it wouldn't be dilithium, but it does right. have lithium and it is a crystal. So they're not too far, you know, out there to call them dilithium crystals. Yeah, that's pretty friggin' cool. And it and could it could hypothetically yeah. power like faster spaceships. Right. It's this th- theoretical warp drive that they're right. Like you know, I mean. Who knows when they're well, oh, sure. if they'll ever actually make a breakthrough, but they are thinking about it. I just I love and it's one of those things like you're pointing out here where Star Trek guessed at what technology would be and now it's kind of happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. No, and and in in sort of deference to the limitations of that, the computer hits a lot of walls and says, I, I don't know. I don't have enough information. It's not like this magic thing that can just perfectly reproduce the scene. It's like I right. can only reproduce what I can see. You can't you know, I can't right. guess at what's over there. I don't know. Mm-hmm. That's why. Yeah, that's where, what I really liked about it too. That it was like it felt constrained by actual science and logic. Right. It wasn't like this magic thing. So. But like what, it would actually work. But it's yeah. also not science that's over our heads as the audience because okay, we understand the computer can only draw what it can see. That's mm-hmm. that makes basic sense to your average viewer, I think. Right. So no, that was that was a very cool scene. You're right, and it was used way more effectively than it was in the. Uh, Commander Riker is a murder episode. <laughs> because they use that to create stuff, too. But that was really just to watch what people were doing. It wasn't really to see parts of a scene that you couldn't see or, you know, whatever. No, they yeah. they just use it as like a, uh, um, like, well, this is an easy way to show the audience what happened. This does, like. It's like a reenactment. see Jordy using this this way. Right. No, it's a very right. cool effect. I like it quite a lot. You're right. Although, uh, although I was kind of afraid when he said, now delete the forge, that something was going to happen. Yeah. To ah! <laughs> no! <laughs> it's like I always think that Worf is going to shoot Riker when uh, when Picard says fire at will. <laughs> <laughs> that is a joke I made in 1990, and I finally got to use it. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and it's still terrible. All right. 100th episode! <laughs> Viva el Cento. Um, Bob, so your bad thing, Bob? Uh, well, I will, um, read to you exactly what I wrote here, which is blah, 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 turning into a lizard, blah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, it just, yeah, like you, it makes no sense. See, I always feel like this is my thing and and people are rolling their eyes whenever I say it about the turning into stuff. I'm so glad to hear other people don't like it too. You're not wrong. It is stupid. Like we, we talk about like the fact that if for some reason we can take Jordy he evolves into this like weird glow in the dark mm-hmm. lizardy guy, and then they just put him back to normal. But he still like they, apparently they decided to make him blind again. My uh, my sort of Marvel no prize explanation for that was they did have weird glowy eyes that could see better in the dark. They weren't really human eyes. I just like mm-hmm. I figure. It, 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 yeah, I know. He's got functioning eyes. Well, and, like, and even that can just see in the dark. Like, even if you give him that and still make him wear his visor, at least he can see again. Here's the thing, though. Or, or, but, I mean, you're rewriting his DNA anyway. That's true. Just, you know, yeah. fix it. While you're in there tinkering, just give him working eyes. Yeah. yeah. Copy someone else's, you know, uh, genome for working eyes and paste it into Jordy's. Yes. <laughs> that would be easy. Um, I, no, the thing is, I mean, after, like, season one, his visor really hasn't figured into any kind of, like... He he's, he looks at screens. Hmm. He looks people in the eye when he talks to them. Like his visor, he can still see everything that's going on. Yeah. it's really mm-hmm. just an uncomfortable prop that they make Lavar Burton wear at this point. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's just it's just a visual shortcut for a future man. Yeah, exactly. And all right, we know it's been four seasons. Just take it off now. It's fine. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, I guess, and I assume that's why they eventually just got rid of it in the movies. It might have been a thing for LeVar Burton. Yes, these are my friends. I love it. I'll, I'll work for not a lot of money, but I got to take that fucking thing off. I'm not off. wearing the fucking visor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Give me robot eyes. Yeah, give me blue contacts. <laughs> that's as far as I will go. And to me, it's still a little weird to see a black dude with blue eyes. That That's mm-hmm. not something you really see. So it still made him look a little off. Yeah. Which I liked, but I'm sure it was way more comfortable for him. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, actually, coming up, we have an episode where they use his visor to fucking hypnotize him or something. See, like that's the only time they use it is when it's like yeah, it's stuff that it's like, special abilities. Stuff. It's special abilities really aren't used anymore. No, it's, it's basically kind of, it's kind of the same with Troy being a telepath. It only comes up when it's bad stuff happening. Well, she's only an empath, but yeah, I I take your point. Yeah. Picard's gotten bored with watching the live feed. So. Yeah, 
<laughs> that happened once. And he's like, okay, we're not, we're not doing that again. Jordan's like, good. Thank Christ. Well, he's, he's been promoted now. He doesn't have to put up with that shit anymore. <laughs> Last thing I need is people just deciding they can, to, to, to see what I'm looking at. Yeah, that's not cool. Cause especially, <laughs> especially between three and five, that's Jordy's time. Especially with what I get up to in the holodeck. Yeah. And that was, you know, the joke that I had to yell at the screen was like, uh, He's recreating female crew members on the holodeck. It seems like Picard would have locked that out. <laughs> no, no more of that. We're not having another. I'm not dealing with another disciplinary action against you. Damn it! I just picture the computer going now. Now we've talked about this, Jordy. Yeah. <laughs> or maybe there's just like a safety lock where they have to keep their clothes on no matter what. Yeah. Computer, delete clothes of crewmen. Oh no, you don't. <laughs> he tries taking the clothes off of one of the crewmen, and there's just more clothes on underneath. <laughs> it's clothes all the way down. Yep. I just I would like to hear um, Major Barrett's computer voice actually address him as young man. <laughs> no, you don't, young man. <laughs> All right, Matt. Good thing, bad thing. All right. So my good thing, I really dug uh, Invisible Jordy running around the ship, knocking shit over. <laughs> Simple effect, but I like it. Okay, you know, man. you know when that's used to a better effect. Mm. Not just cloaked, phased. Yes. Uh, that Invisible Jordy is far superior to this Invisible Jordy. Yes, but for the time being, this is the only Invisible Jordy we have, so we really have to enjoy what we've got. That's true. I do like using the phrase Invisible Jordy as much as possible. <laughs> so to summarize... Invisible Jordy comes with everything you see here. Or don't see here in this case. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I see you have a second good thing here. Also, Ensign Swedish check. <laughs> There's a, there's a, there's a, it belongs to me. <laughs> uh, now that Wesley's gone, there is almost always this procession of young, attractive women in that spot. It feels like Riker's in charge of the duty roster. He's mm -hmm. like, oh no, I had to look at the back of that kid's head for three years. We're making we're some changes here. We're getting some hot tail in here now. Yeah, and occasionally there's like, uh, the, the Asian dude I'd mentioned earlier, but yep. he was a replacement for a hot chick. Yes. It was, uh, uh, Ensign Brown Sugar had to be relieved of duty and then, uh, and then he sat down. <laughs> because she forgot how to steer the ship and just started nervously pawing at the, uh, at right. the screen. <laughs> I, I can't remember. What what am I doing here? Ah! Where are you? <laughs> I, had a, so, I had a similar reaction when I was taking my driving test last week. <laughs> Did you stick your head out the window and go, where are you? <laughs> yeah, I got lost points for that for some reason. Yeah, they don't like that. They frown on that. Uh, your bad thing? Yeah, my bad. A lot of a lot of crappy stuff happened in this episode, but the thing I hated the most was Al using the phrase "Jordy slithering out of his uniform" while we were watching this together. Ugh. Well, was I wrong though? No. He turned into a little weird lizardy guy, and uh, his uniform was gone. So I only assume slithered out of his uniform. Slithered out of his uniform. He must have slithered because he can't uh, undo the zipper with those paw hands. Can right, it's true. Exactly. And how does he type with boxing gloves on? <laughs> Explain that, Matt. He didn't get out of the cock-a-duty uniform. Uh, what else? When I came down to the planet, I like to say, holy crap. Holy crap. <laughs> there's a there's a bit... <laughs> Thank you, the Bob Cheat. <laughs> I, there, there was a great bit where Jordy's trying to talk, what's her name, and I really don't remember her name. It was um, uh, Susanna. Suze, that's right. And that's uh, a phone that just made me think of the uh, the Seinfeld episode where um, everyone kept confusing Elaine for somebody named Susie. Yeah. And then somebody called her Suze and she's like, no, I am not a Suze. I'm Susie. <laughs> but there's, there's a bit where Jordy's trying to talk her into not going to the planet, doing something else instead. And he goes, Data's got a preliminary report in the same <laughs> tone that you would say, we've got cookies. <laughs> Oh, she's a fellow nerd. She totally wants to see that preliminary report. Yeah. You just Ooh. touched her in the right area. Yeah. But not but in the actually, bad area, I like Jordy. these two. I, I kind of get them being friends. Yeah, but like I said, she said little brother immediately. Yeah, yeah. We don't want to go down that road again. No. There's also a bit where they're walking down a corridor, and I could swear she calls him Judy. <laughs> huh. It's just the way she pronounces Jordy, but it sounded an awful lot like Judy. Oh, Judy. Ugh. Judy Laforte. She was on. He was on that ship with her for like six years, and she never learned his name, and he just didn't correct her. <laughs> Later on, she'll that was talk. His nickname from high school. Yep. Later on, she'll talk to Worf about uh, about that problem. <laughs> what is that kid's name? Listen, I had the same problem. I worked with this guy every day. Mm. I thought his name was Judy. It's not. <laughs> 
Maybe if we addressed him by his rank and last name, like we do with everyone else, this wouldn't be an issue. Yeah. Um, so there, there's yet another scene of, of a human imposing their humanity on data again. Uh, Beverly says, are you, are you worried about Jordy? And he's, he gives the standard, no, I'm an Android. I don't worry about anything. But come on, Jordy's your friend. Of course you worry about him. And Data's like, yeah, I suppose I am. <laughs> Whatever. Anything to end this conversation. But every everybody does I that to him. his sensory input. <laughs> <laughs> I have become accustomed to... Right. <laughs> but, it, you know, it's it's once again, he hasn't developed any emotions beyond, you know, <laughs> anything that he had from the pilot. He's, he's yep. become more comfortable around people and he's better interacting with them, but he's still not emotional. And people no. keep projecting that on him, and it's just not there. I like that his sort of reaction to that is, whatever. Yeah, fine. Sure. Yes, all the emotions, whatever. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, that's all I got. How about you guys? Most mm. of my notes just say, oh, God, what is this crap? What the fuck does this even mean? And so yeah. on fashion. Yeah, what if my notes says, bored, bored, boring, borg, bjorn, bork, bjork? <laughs> <laughs> That's how yeah, I've had notes like that before. Yeah. <laughs> That's why, I mean, in general, like, I used to make it a rule to not read other people's notes. I like to be go into the episodes refreshed and, you know, not and surprised and not know what's happening. But eh, sometimes I got to look, and there's, there's funny things that don't make it to the show, so. Yeah. Boring, boring. Especially when Matt gets angry and, like, the caps. I'm surprised you don't go up to the top and, and select the font size button. Just well, I, try to keep, I, try, I, I try to keep these going as I go along. Right. But you know, you can't you can't extra cap after you've already capped. Maybe bold. Yeah, yeah. Like, I just I, I like to see your escalating anger. Is the thing. <laughs> Damn it! What the crap is this stupid? Crap? Shut up! Yep. I hate this. Why am I still watching this crap? Yeah, I and you know, again, I know it's sort of a go-to punchline at this point. Oh, Voyager's going to be terrible. But really, I feel like because Brandon Braga was one of the main guys in charge of that, we're going to see mm. a lot of this kind of thing coming up. Yeah. Mm. I, if you uh, like yeah. this kind of episode, well, that's fine. But Gateway we don't. Into lizards and fuck. Yeah, that's after they go warp thirteen or something. Because yep. that what? makes sense. Yeah. Ugh. If I'm I remember correctly, and I may not be, but if I remember correctly, there's an episode where they somehow exceed warp ten, and that makes them de-evolve into lizards or something. It's okay if you don't remember, because even the oh, uh, no. creators uh, disavowed that episode. Yeah. Well. <laughs> wow. It, it has happened. I haven't seen it happen, but I will. Well, I'll, I'll be watching along with you guys. So. Yes, you will. You're still invited for once a season, and uh, you'll just have to randomly pick me one because I have no idea what any of those <laughs> yeah, well, are. Well, neither do we. So we're gonna <laughs> yes, we're gonna pick them for you because otherwise, I know you will just pick the the Robert Picardo Doctor episodes, and you're not getting out Yay. that easy. Everyone is going to be doing that. <laughs> yeah, because those are at least a little life raft on that show. And sorry, yeah. no, other people need a chance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, any further business, you guys? Uh, I think that's everything. Nope. All right. Um, well, I have a quote. Why don't you give it to us? <laughs> and it's Jordy acknowledging that he will never have a lady in his life. Well, what about you? Mm, I enjoy the bachelor's life too much. Uh, it doesn't sound like my little brother who always wanted advice on women. Well, obviously you were, uh, a great advisor so yeah he's, he doesn't even he's not even trying to, to uh he's not even i've given up yeah fine no i enjoy the bachelor's life yep you sure do uh-huh. uh so a, a couple of pieces of, of quick business um we we do of course have our our app and our episode guide uh, i i apologize to you personally bob because you spent a lot of work on that app <laughs> i do not intend to sweep it out under the rug and not tell people. It's not like I don't want them to know. It's not like I don't want you to get money. I just forget. <laughs> no worries. So it's let's, only human. Let's put the word out. Yes, the human adventure is forgetting things. Yep. <laughs> but let's put, Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I'm working on some updates for that for, you know, the iPhone 5 larger screen. And yeah, and we're working on... A few uh, bugs and things, so... We're, we're working on the second volume, or we will be shortly. Um, yeah, that's going to be uh, starting soon. Yeah, for our annual uh, Emerald City appearance, which will be early March this year, we should have volume two, which will cover the first four seasons of Next Gen. And we will work with you to somehow integrate that content into the app, so... Yep. Look forward to that. Uh, but you you recently just made us a couple of little graphics for our sidebar on postatomichorror.com. So because the links to those things were buried because I'm an idiot, <laughs> I don't think everyone was aware of that. But now 
The links are there if you want our iPhone app, if you want our, our paper episode guide. It's actually also available in ebook form if you'd rather read it on your computer or your tablet or whatever. It's yep. all there, and, and we'd like to uh, you to know that. Yes, please click on them. Please do. Uh, the other thing was just a, a, a simple thank you to you guys. Um, like we said, we're not making a big deal out of 100 episodes apart from <laughs> Bob's little uh, musical interlude there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we would sincerely like to thank you guys. We've made it, you know, two years, 100 episodes, and we're glad you're still listening. We do yeah. really enjoy doing this, and we do intend to be doing this for a long time, and we're yeah. glad to have your support. And that is it. So next week we are covering uh, the Bar- the the Token Barkley episode and the Token Q episode. So uh, next week is a big week for recurring guest stars. And- Original Barkley in the nth degree. <laughs> And Cupid, which Matt apparently only just discovered the pun behind. Last week. Give me some credit here. Okay. I'm terribly sorry about that. And our pal Brian will be here to uh, to discuss oh, those. Good. So, as always, uh, thank you. And I don't know. Who wants to say the catchphrase this week? I, I don't See care. you, folks. Thank you. Kapla! Mendez! The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us, we're just doing this for fun.